Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben Micellis here, joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. How you doing this week, fellas? What's up, brothers? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, you guys. I I am feeling good. I'm feeling vaxxed and relaxed and ready to go. You like like that? We got a great we got a great guest on the show today. I should mention at the beginning of the episode so we don't have to do a re-record later when I go. I forgot to mention the guest at the front <laughs> of the episode, which I do every single podcast for those wondering. We've got Hill Harper, who's one of the stars of ABC's The Good Doctor. Hill is also an activist. He's a best-selling author. He's a lawyer. He's the founder of Black Wall Street, which is the first Black-owned digital wallet. Um, basically, basically Hill, Hill Harper is like Superman, basically. <laughs> like, you name it, Hill Harper does it. He's one of the most accomplished people I've ever seen. I'm a little, little intimidated to have him on the show, but very excited to have Hill Harper on our show. Harvard Law, I think Jordy may ask the question. As we know, amongst the brothers, I'm the best basketball player, so Jordy may ask, who won the Harvard b-ball games between Hill and Obama? It'll definitely be a question of mine. I think I'm going to ask him who has the better jumper. <laughs> See if we get Obama I think to Jordy, respond. Jordy, by not denying it, conceded me being the better basketball player. But no, I'm I not even going to entertain it, to be honest. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think it was an admission without the denial there. And speaking of admissions without denials, I think Brett admitted to some wild views yesterday super on- controversial oh, come on that came super out controversial. as the biggest elon musk fanboy in the united states i never knew you were brett fan club of elon musk brett like was I, the fan club of elon musk you always take it to the biggest extreme possible that's the most ridiculous. how else would you how else would you describe brett it? says that as okay. he's wearing literally a t-shirt that says tesla on his t-shirt right now. Okay, another lie. Another (laughs) lie. I'm not wearing a Tesla t-shirt. I'm wearing one of the same three t-shirts that I wear on every podcast episode, a plain black t-shirt and the same Midas Touch hat that I wear on every episode. It just happens to say T-E-S-L-A on your shoulder. It does not. It says M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. And I I don't know how you're going to act like I'm a big Elon Musk fanboy when the tweet in question that Ben and Jordan are railing on me for was when I said, yes, Elon Musk is a douche and a horrible human being, but let's not act like he didn't do a lot with Tesla as a company and that Tesla isn't a hugely successful company and that SpaceX isn't a hugely influential endeavor. I was just saying because I saw a lot of the people on our side mad at SNL for having Elon Musk on the show, and rightfully so. I, I, I get it. But they took it to the extreme and they let their feelings about Elon Musk, I think, then go to that next level, which was, yeah, why would they even have him on? I mean, Tesla cars suck and SpaceX is a shitty company and Elon's never even done anything. And I was like, all right, like, listen, you could say this guy is a bad guy and that you don't want him on SNL, but let's not pretend like these aren't good products that he's been a part of. And again, this is is another perfect reason why Brett should never take the stand on it. That that felt again, like a double cosign. So now you co-signed him on Twitter and now you're co-signing him again on the podcast. See, here's the thing, thing, Brett, people like Elon Musk, don't need your moral support. Okay. Elon Musk is worth like a hundred plus billion dollars. I don't think that there are people who don't realize Elon Musk created Tesla, Brett. I think people know that Elon Musk invented Tesla. Well, let me, let me fact check you there. If you're going to go attack me, Elon Musk did not actually create Tesla. Elon Musk was an investor in Tesla. And how much do you know about this guy? About the founder. First off, I set the trap there. So Brett could triple cosign. There's no no trap. You started giving, you started giving Elon 
more cred than I even gave the guy. This is no, this is ridiculous. And what it's all about, though, is you know what? I'm not afraid to say my opinions, even if the hive mind might not agree with them. And I think it's okay to have differing opinions with people. But I think the fact is, even I if saw the what minds, Brett? Yeah, what was that? The hive mind. Hive. Hive that's mind. Not, that's yeah. not an expression. I've never heard. It of is hive. A, an HIV mind. <laughs> yes. A a hive mind. So now you guys are just continuing your denial of reality in this QAnon-esque conspiratorial way, just denying that things even exist, denying that Tesla is a good company. I just don't understand that take. It's just a weird take to me if you're going to do that take. Say Elon is a scumbag. Say he treats his employees bad. He has ridiculous, horrible takes about COVID and that I, diver. I, I, He's done a bunch of really horrible, oh my, horrible, oh my God. horrible things. I want to go back to this hive mind concept, Brett. Yeah. What, what, Explain to me the definite. Don't Google what hive mind is. I know, I see you typing. Tell me what you think. What do you think hive mind means? I think a hive mind is when a lot of people, it's like groupthink. It's like when a lot of people think the same thing. Oh, you so, you so Googled it, you loser. No, I don't. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you think I just am using phrases? You're the one who didn't know what it was. You are the one who did not know what this phrase was. A hive mind is the exact kind of expression that you know who would say, Jordy? Who? Elon Musk. There you go. A quadruple, a quadruple a cosine quadruple in the open. A quadruple cosine of Sheesh. Elon Musk right there. But Brett, this is r- I got r- no absurd. beef with you. Absurd. I got no beef with you, Brett. Do you know why? No you beef. You know who I have beef with? Who? The beefy Republicans. The, the meaty the Republicans. The beefy Republicans. <laughs> the GQ beefy, a.k.a. the GQP. And let me tell you why. I think we've gone through some of just the oddest uh, and strangest arguments as America's doing well. I don't want to say thriving as we're getting our groove back, right? As America leads the world and back getting our mojo back. I was watching Austin Powers the other day. We're getting our mojo back guys. As we become the envy of the world and get our mojo back again, again, we have a lot of things to fix. The GQP throws mud against the wall and they want to see what sticks shockingly sesame street did not stick didn't work out for the work no okay <laughs> oh so now they moved on to burgers mm. Mm. well to be fair you missed uh, mr potato head <laughs> you missed you missed all the other things that they tried so yes now they're on to burgers and their big complaint about the burgers is a daily mail article that truly had nothing to do actually with Biden's climate and infrastructure plan, but which basically presented some bizarre hypothetical about reducing emissions if people cut down on their beef consumption. Which is just a scientific fact, but has nothing to do with Biden's climate plan whatsoever. But it's just a scientific fact. So based on that, all the GQP members basically said, you know, in, in, in their cave person, GQP brain, they said, let's come out and say Biden wants to steal our hamburgers. I, I'm not making this up. You have you have Bobbert tweeting. I mean, they tweet so matter of factly as if these things are true, like like they just don't give a fuck. Here's the thing I want to know for a long time towards the end of the election. Twitter was very vigilant about marking when Donald Trump or other politicians would say false information. They would say this tweet contains false information. All of a sudden, though, after they kick Trump off the platform, it seems like it just, oh, yeah, well, we did our job. You know, whatever that anyone else wants to say, it's all good. But Trump is banned. So so we're good to go. How could Boebert just go and say matter of factly, Joe Biden's climate plan includes cutting 90 percent of red meat from our diets like just a completely made up bullshit statement it's zero truth not even rooted in a fragment of truth no not even a little bit it's not even in not even a a, a, at all then you got don jr don jr goes oh i'm pretty sure i ate four pounds of red meat yesterday that's gonna be a hard no from me Okay, Don Jr., you ate four pounds of red meat yesterday. You are the weirdest fucking human being I've ever met. First off, no one eats four pounds of red meat in one sitting. It's just a ridiculous statement. Second of all, I hope you did eat four pounds of red meat yesterday. I hope you eat four pounds of red meat every single day. And I hope your dad, with a history of heart problems, also eats four pounds of meat every single day. Own the libs, Don Jr. Keep eating that red meat 
four pounds a day, you freaking weirdo. But it's not just the weirdos. This is this is the thing. It's not just the weirdos because the entire GQP is the weirdo party. Governor Greg Abbott, Texas. Governor Greg Abbott posts a Fox News screenshot, which once again, Fox News posted a screenshot of this made up thing in Joe Biden's climate plan. The screenshot says up in your grill. Great job, uh, Fox News copywriters. Up in your grill. Biden's climate requirements. Once again, requirements. This this is total. (laughs) This is like this is you want to talk about fake news. This is literally just yeah. We just, we just walked you through the genesis of a, of a fake story and showed you exactly how all the members of the GQP hop on it. From the Daily Mail to Fox News to Bo Burt to Don Jr. to the governor of Texas. But here's the thing. The Fox News graphic has like bullet points as though these are specific pieces of a plan. And then it goes as far as to falsely cite the Department of Agriculture <laughs> and University of Michigan, as though those are sources for Biden's climate requirements. They just basically pick, they write the Department of Agriculture, I assume, just because it's meat. And then at the bullet points are cut 90% of red meat from diet. False. Max four pounds per year. One burger per month. As though this is actually <laughs> a plan. This is the most made up bullshit in the world. But Ben, but Ben, as a lawyer, Tonto, why are they allowed to do that? Why can they just put that up, put something that says requirements, and then, again, just made up bullet points? They're not allowed to. It's why they're being sued for, like, <laughs> billions of dollars, you know, by a lot of the voting companies. And it's why they claim they're up. an entertainment network. But and by the, the way, as we were recording this, Fox actually had to, like, literally break oh, wow. As we're recording this, Fox had to actually go and make the make the adjustment right there and admit that they were not telling the truth about that Jordy for precisely that reason they basically said that that it is not accurate whatsoever on Friday we told you about a study from the University of Michigan to give some perspective on President Biden's ambitious climate change goals that research from 2020 found that cutting back how much red meat people eat would have a drastic impact on harmful greenhouse gas emissions the data was accurate but a graphic and a script incorrectly implied that it was part of Biden's plan for dealing with climate change. That is not the case. So they made it up. So they made it up. They took a research paper about the effects of meat consumption on climate change and then claimed that that was what was in Joe Biden's climate plan. And by the way, what I think happened behind the scenes here um, is that probably someone from the Biden administration sent a legal letter to them because for precisely the reasons that Jordy said, yeah. it's just beyond, it's beyond false. Fox is already dealing with false. But here's the issue with these corrections is Fox was running this bullshit talking point on all their primetime shows where they get all their viewers. This then percolated through the world of right-wing GQP media and social media to all the various Bo Burts and Don Juniors and Greg Abbott's and Ted Cruz and all these freaking morons. And now they issue a correction in the middle of the day while everybody's working on one of their daytime shows that nobody watches. The lie has already traveled all around the world. It's now what Republicans believe now. They believe that Biden is taking away your burgers. And this correction does nothing to help that problem. It's already out there. One of the best pieces before we move on to the next topic that's worth mentioning, though, is Larry Kudlow, you know, who's just wrong about everything and takes everything to its like ultimate conclusion of beyond stupidity. Literally, he's never been right about a single thing in his life. You could go back decades. Everything he said from the housing market crash to COVID to what Ben's about to tell you he said just now is just wrong, just flat out wrong. And the guy just keeps managing to fail up and get deals on Fox business and get positions in the Trump administration. It's craziness. Yeah, it's the epitome of white privilege right there is Larry Kudlow's entire life right in a nutshell. So this is what he says, referring to the fake story He embraces that as true. So he goes, speaking of stupid, again, this is him referring to the fake story that Biden's going to take away your burgers. So he's saying Biden's plan that doesn't exist is stupid. Then he goes, guess what else will happen? He goes, so get ready. You can throw back a plant-based beer with your grilled Brussels sprouts and wave your American flag. 
basically mocking that you're going to be having to drink plant-based beer. I suppose as opposed to all of that meat-based beer that, uh, that everybody's drinking <laughs> is this out. Is beer from fermented hamburger meat? What is this beer made out of? Everybody in the world with half a brain knows that beer is made out of malted barley or other sort of grains like that that are fermented. There is no meat in beer. And if you are having a meat beer, I, am, I have a lot of questions for you if you're having a meat beer. Larry Kudlow apparently drinks meat beers. I don't know. I do like, though, that you went, though, Brett, and this was like a very... Subtle thing you just said, though, malted barley. <laughs> you know, I've, I'm a Ben. I'm very well cultured, if you don't know. So I've I would have to... just went with grain and hops. Brett goes <laughs> malted barley. Chef Brett, Brett driving Chef his Brett. Tesla, Listen. stopping and drinking some malted barley when he gets home. Listen, I've been to many a brewery <laughs> in my day. I've had a lot of uh, education on how the beer making process is done. In college, I actually made my own beer in the dorm. So listen, I know how this process works. And I know at no point in time was uh, meat involved in that process. That's, 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 what, that's what I know. Brett and his hive-minded friends may be very <laughs> highbrow, but they are also very, very truthful. Well, let me and tell you, you guys this, see- though. Let me, let me just tell you why this is also just stanky, moldy meat, like expired, disgusting, stanky meat. This whole thing is the same GQP plan that they've they've used this line before in the past. As recently as 2019, they were pushing that Democrats want to take your meat. Democrats want to take your hamburgers. So not only is this bullshit right now, it was bullshit then, and they've tried this before. And the baffling thing is it didn't work then. It's not going to work now. They've only been losing since they've committed themselves to this fantasy world and they're just now doubling and tripling down on on the on this stank oh you just reminded me that pence in the campaign trail had that line about we won't let kamala harris take america's meat it's like dude you're the weirdest fucking guy where is he by the way i don't know he's couch surfing (laughs) last year pence was couch surfing (laughs) i don't know where yeah was pence going to have a podcast or does he have a podcast I don't know. He started off as a radio host before uh, before becoming vice president, governor and vice president. But I, I don't know about a Mike Pence podcast. I haven't seen it. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But I don't know. Maybe just continuing to couch surf, checking out Airbnb options. I'm not sure. Hey, guys, guess what? Tim Ryan announced he's running for Senate in Ohio today, huh? You mean friend of the show? Friend, friend of, of the, the pod, pod, Tim Ryan? Pod, Tim Ryan? Dude, we said back in the day, I think we got the exclusive on this, honestly, because we asked him, you said, tell me if you're going to run for Senate without telling me you're going to run for Senate. And at the end of the day, Tim Ryan did kind of tell us. He said, hey, I'll come back on the show when I announce. If I announce, if I announce. And we knew right then and there, we got you. We got you, Tim. (laughs) And Tim's going to make an incredible, I mean, he would make an incredible senator for Ohio. He's the exact kind of person Ohio needs, a true guy with working class roots and a working class platform who wants strong unions and a strong economy. I am really excited to see Tim Ryan's campaign. I think he is exactly what the Democratic Party needs more of. Passionate. I love it. I love the passion when I see him on the House floor and I love his passion combined with truth. Um, You know, you often see the passion on the GQP tied to the lies and the stupidity to have passion and truth. That would that's the Midas Touch brand right there. And so, of course, we're big Tim Ryan supporters and we wish him the best. Um, And look, look, as the Democrats continue to have an open tent as the Democratic Party continues to support initiatives from infrastructure to getting people COVID vaccinations to improving the quality of life of Americans and people across the world. You got the GQP doing all the crazy stuff that we were talking about. And it's no surprise, though, why even though you have 70 percent of Republicans still believing Trump's big lie that Biden was not the legitimate winner of the of the election. Trump has only a 30 percent approval rating, which goes to show you when you put those numbers together. And that comes from a YouGov face the nation poll that the Republican Party is shrinking significantly. People are embarrassed to identify as Republican. 
I think, Brett, I saw a story but of... Frankly, uh, they yeah. should be. So Yeah, totally good. <laughs> I don't know if you texted me if I saw this in a tweet. Uh, a mother told their daughter, make sure you go wear a mask before you go into the store. We wouldn't want people to think you're a Republican. Yeah, as a mom I saw with her, looked like a young teenage daughter at, at Trader Joe's the other day. I thought it was the funniest, the funniest line. But that shows you how good the... Uh, how good the GQP is doing with those suburban moms that uh, Trump mm. begged to love him so much. You know, you don't even want to be thought of as possibly Republican. Yeah, it means you're dangerous and weird. Like, that's just like, <laughs> it means you're dangerous, you're weird, you're part of a cult, you're disgusting, you <laughs> smell, you're a horrible person. Being a GQP yeah, means you are all of those things. And so I'm looking at you, if you still associate with the GQP, you're horrible, you smell, you're weird, you're disgusting, you hate other people, you're a racist, and nobody wants to be your friend. So get out of that crew. Yeah, if, if, the, if that doesn't sound like you, then run and run fast. Get out. Well, At I least- would like to curb our articulate debate. And I think uh, this is Mitt Romney. And maybe I could push uh, push the party a little bit more towards what uh, the Reagan Republicans used to be. Meanwhile, you got Marjorie Taylor Greene saying Jewish space lasers from planet Mars and the Martian <laughs> crews have come down with hive, hive minded aliens. The modern day Republican Party would treat Ronald Reagan the same way they treat Mitt Romney and Absolutely. Liz Cheney. I have no doubt in my mind they would call him a rhino. They would call him a liberal. They would call him a sellout. There they would, would be no think that he's room. actually a rhinoceros. They might actually think he's a rhinoceros because these people are deranged. And <laughs> exactly. While while they're deranged in, in talking about hamburgers and Sesame Street and all that stuff is silly, they are doing some like seriously scary things with their conspiracy theories. And I don't know if you guys have been following what's been going on in Arizona, but Arizona right now is ground zero for where the GQP conspiracies meet real world problems. Ben, why don't you guide us through, you know, what's like, what's going on on the ground there? So, you know, the, the big lie of, uh, of Donald Trump saying that the election was stolen and all of that, you still have these, GQP run legislatures in certain places like the legislature in Georgia that's passing those suppression bills. Remember, in Arizona, you had a uh, surprise Biden win in Arizona, though, because the citizens of Arizona looked at what was going on and said, look, Donald Trump's Donald Trump's crazy. Um, You know, with the Cindy McCain endorsement, Biden's numbers in Maricopa County were incredible. And Biden won. And also thank you to all the Midas Mighty who sent letters to Maricopa County and text messages to Maricopa County and help us win the election. I mean, we could not have done it without you. So the GQP legislature is basically in Arizona is basically conspiring with Donald Trump to hire a group that has zero experience whatsoever in elections to conduct an entirely fake audit of election results from Maricopa County. So the Arizona GQP-led legislature issued a subpoena to basically get the 2.1 million ballots in Maricopa County and basically do a fake audit by handing over the ballots to a group called Cyber Ninjas, They're a Florida-based consultancy group, again, and has zero election experience. And it's run by a man who has shared and retweeted unfounded conspiracy theories claiming the 2020 election was stolen. This is a man, his name is Doug Logan, who's retweeting QAnon Twitter accounts that basically say, I'm tired of hearing people say there was no fraud. It happened. It's real. And people better get wise fast. Hashtag crucible moment with also ats to Lynn Wood, among others. It's funny it's ads to Lynn Wood because I was going to say this is no different than handing over the election process to Lynn Wood, who, as we know, is just living in a total fantasy world and is just a deranged man. It's no yeah, different. And that's what I think our listeners need to know. What's like, OK, there's a lot going on in, in Arizona. Are they using a blue pen? Or are they using a red pen when they're checking this audit? 
This is a 100% fake audit. As Brett says, it's the same as the legislature picking someone who has no experience, who's a conspiracy theorist, you know, pro-Trump, someone who sympathized with QAnon like a Linwood, giving him the ballots and basically saying, review these and come back to me and tell me that there was fraud and that Donald Trump basically won. In fact, you have Trump, you know, in his like press release Twitter statements that he basically puts out. He goes, thank you to the state senators in Arizona for commencing this full forensic audit. I predict the results will be startling. And so you have this whole, and remember, Brett, the Arizona GQP, didn't they also, that legislature, they um, censured some of their Republican senators and, and others who said there's no fraud here whatsoever. You know, you've had your op- opportunity to go through and have these cases. There's zero fraud. And so you literally have a legislature that's fully taken over by QAnon at this point and GQP conducting a fake audit. That's why people are outraged what's going on in Arizona. And the people of Arizona are paying for this fake recount effort. I mean, the thing is total bullshit. And right wing media is obsessed over it because they think this is their chance. We're going to expose the fraud. And if you turn to and please don't turn to these stations. But if you turn to OAN or Newsmax, if you look at right side broadcast network, all these deranged channels, media networks, social media channels in the right wing ecosystem. They're all obsessed over this and they think this is their time. And what's going to happen here, though? I don't know what the results are going to be, but you have crazy people doing this that are going to make things up. And then at the end of the day, they're going to use whatever they find to then try to push for more voter suppression and push more conspiracy theories and try to legitimize their crazy views. This is extremely dangerous stuff. No doubt about it. And I want to talk to our guest, Hill Harper, to get his take on it. And one of the things I want to ask Hill is he gave an interview with Larry King. Um, Obviously, Larry passed recently, but he gave an interview with Larry King a few years back in the middle of the Trump administration. And one of Hill's main concerns there is he said the most troubling part of the Trump legacy is going to be his judicial appointments bearing some unforeseen catastrophe. Well, I think the judicial appointments were a a major uh, significant issue that's going to harm this country forever. But we've also seen these unforeseen catastrophe. And so I'd love to get Hill Harper's take after this break. We will be right back with more Midas Touch podcast. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Join by Hill Harper on set in his scrubs, one of the stars of ABC's <laughs> The Good Doctor, also a best-selling author, lawyer, activist, the founder of Black Wall Street, which is the first Black-owned digital wallet. And I genuinely mean it. He's on set in the trailer, in his scrubs, but joining <laughs> Midas Touch Hill. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be on. I'm trying to remember my lines while I'm talking to you guys. It's a good thing because right after lunch, <laughs> oh, you know, I got I got all this medical dialogue I got to memorize. If, if you ever need a reading partner, I'm here for you, Hill. Because okay. well, Zoom, I, maybe you could do maybe you could help me with my auditions, too. Will you do that? <laughs> Should we run some I, lines I'm, right I'm, now? I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm multi-hyphenated, too. I'm trying, Hill. So auditions, I'm here for you. Anytime you need me, I, I'll, I'll I, do any movie I get, I'll just give you a commission because without you helping me, there's no way I would have gotten the movie. So, you know, this is I, good. I don't know. It's I think, win, I think that's win. offer acceptance. I think we got a deal. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I know I'm only Georgetown Law Hill. I know you're Harvard, but I think that's a deal of what they taught us in Georgetown. It's <laughs> a good deal. <laughs> All right, Hill, I want to get into it with you. So if, about two years ago, I was looking through past interviews that you did with the late, great Larry King. Um, you had said the most troubling legacy of the Trump presidency. Now, granted, this was two years ago. You said is the judicial appointments bearing some unforeseen catastrophe, bearing some unforeseen (laughs) catastrophe. So in 2021, looking back and I want to talk about judicial appointments, but 
We've seen Dungeon that unforeseen. Are more high tech. You can't pull the exact quote and, and then people will actually believe you because so many people have pointed that quote out to me and they're like, damn, man, you were on, you, you, I mean, you were, you, did you have a vision into the future with that quote? What was going on? So exactly. <laughs> Brett, roll the, Brett, roll the tape. <laughs> you put me on the spot. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. It doesn't matter. And, and listen, it, you know, whenever people, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, you always see somebody like Gary Vee talking about what they said 10, 12 years ago. It's like, who, who really cares? The point is, is that, you know, we're, we're in a difficult time and in a really difficult way right now. And let's just figure out solutions for the future. Who cares about who is predicting what? The point is, we have to figure out new solutions moving forward, given where we are and given what's been inherited and all of the troubling issues you're talking about. So, uh, man, it's, 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 it's something. It's something. And we should talk, too, I mean, about the judicial appointments. I mean, as the lawyer of the brothers, seeing these conservative, I don't call them conservatives anymore because there's nothing conservative about them. But they're political appointees. Let's call them what they are. They're political appointees who have no trial experience whatsoever. None of them even did like depositions, meaning that they don't even know what they're talking about, who are just hired because they're young and want to tout a Trumpism agenda. How dangerous is that? How could you put in terms for our listeners just how dangerous that is, what we've inherited for those appointments? Well, unfortunately, I was in law school with one of them. And, man, you know, at the end of the day, justice is supposed to figure out ways to allow people with the least amount of agency to have voice in the process and figure out ways that there is uh, a a, a blindness to doing what is right and what is fair and what is correct. And we've gotten so far away from that through all sorts of political leveraging and lever pulling to be able to block so many appointments over an eight year period during the Obama administration and, and reserve those and then just force so many just abject political appointees and people who, frankly, to your point, aren't qualified in the least bit to be judges, let alone be federal court judges, let alone be Supreme Court judges. It's, um, it's, 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 it's a shame and it's troubling, but it, I think it reverts back to us, the people. It's, it always comes back to the people. We, the people, still have the power. We, the people, can still decide the direction of this country. We, the people, have to, no matter how many political maneuverings we see and witness and how beaten up we are, have to keep showing up to make sure that folks don't steal the country. Were you in the same class as Gorsuch? It's weird when you talk about classes because I did a joint degree. So I did a JD MPA. So my starting class was President Obama's class. So President Obama and I were first years together, but he graduated in 91, I graduated in 92. So uh, Neil Gorsuch and I were not in the same class in that sense, no. Talking about the solutions now looking forward, obviously we inherited the catastrophe of what Trump did with uh, COVID and, and insurrection. Do you see hope though in the future? I mean, with Biden's, with what Biden's introducing? Yes, you know, I, I, I guess, I see hope, but it's not necessarily emanating for me out of the Oval Office. Obviously, there's a lot more hope because you're doing a comparative analysis to what was in there before. So, of course, you're infinitely more hopeful. I think that I'm infinitely less stressed. Like every day for four years, I was like, you know, what catastrophe that could affect millions of people is going to happen today? Uh, how many people are going to die because of the person that's actually occupying the office? I mean, that, those are the types of these questions we shouldn't even have to ask. And so we, we're, we're not asking those questions anymore. So inf- infinitely more hopeful. But when we think about, to me, the hope really stems from the communities. For me, hope stems from the fact that technology is at a place now where we can decentralize access to some of the things that have created massive barriers around communities, around whether it be health disparities, wealth disparities, educational disparities, all of these massive institutionalized systemic barriers that have been in place. We have hope 
I believe with decentralization and the ability to spread technology to allow more people in, in a friction or very low cost way who have been left out before. So that's truly what I'm most hopeful about. And it's, I'm not so hopeful about politicians uh, in any kind of way, shape or form. And when, when you look at that, specifically politicians, though, and you look at where the Republican Party is today, we call them the GQP because it seems that there is a full throated endorsement of Q and Trumpism is where the current Republican Party is, in my view. What, what do you see today? What is the Republican Party? You know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really hard. I think in, in this, in our time to talk here, it's probably not enough time for me to unpack the, the whole, the range of the, what I would describe, but I'll tell you a story. I remember when I was at Harvard Law School years ago, and there was an ultra, ultra conservative guy in my section who I would get into frequent arguments with over cases and policy. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like it is now. He and I could actually have a conversation afterwards and we were able to talk and it wasn't, you know, pure vitriol. And he was leaving when I said, man, where are you going? I'm not going to say his name. He's still around doing his thing right now. And, you know, and you'll see where I'm going with this. He said, oh, I'm going for to a meeting. I said, a meeting? What kind of meeting? I'm going into Boston for a meeting. I said, well, meeting? He said, well, a group of us get together and we talk about you know, where we think, you know, the world should go and government should go. And, 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 whoa. And, and you realize that, you know, whether you're talking about the Heritage Foundation, where you're talking about these, these groups, these seeds that we're seeing grow now were planted 30 years ago with this idea of if we actually start to grow uh, uh, in a way that will allow us to dominate in, 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 in an extremely aggressive way, we can control people. And so we can actually take the folks that we are taking education away from and control them. So you can take poor white public educated folk and poor black folk and poor Latino folk and poor folk who are working, you know, let's, let's, let's defund public education Make sure we can manipulate these people. Make sure we pit them against each other. And if we can do that, then we can do the biggest money grabs in history. And that's exactly money and power grabs. And that's exactly what we've seen play out. Massive money and power grabs to the point. And this is a big statement I'm going to make. And I've actually heard some friends talk about this to the point that I believe a quote that a, a buddy of mine he was describing like these types of conversations don't tend to happen in front of me um, where people are banding around the N word and all of this stuff. Uh, but he said he was in this group of guys and he was like, yeah, they were saying that they don't want their grandkids growing up in a country of N words, S words and, and, and K, K words, you know, um, N words, S words and K words. You can fill in the blanks. I don't like saying Jeez. those words. Right. And so, so therefore, we're going to take the country for all we can and leave it in ruins, literally. So what do you do? You just spend and you take and you take and you take. And then he was like, he was like, well, where are you guys going? Well, oh, we're buying land in Australia, New Zealand, Iceland. We're looking, we're looking at, you know, and then if you, and, and what's so interesting, he sent me a study that talked about Americans buying land in all these countries that were, is very interesting. So just do a little research. Look about how many, you know, how much land is being, has been sold to Americans in New Zealand. Big plot. And it's wild because you look at these policies and it's like, yeah, it looks like the GQP genuinely wants to destroy and pillage this country because they do. Question. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what they're doing. If you're willing to sink the ship to kill the captain, that means you don't care about the ship, Right. And, and you can wave the flag and try to convince people that, you know, that you do, but you don't. And, and everybody who is on a sub tier below them that they've co-opted to do that activity, that, you know, they got them with the flags in the back of the trucks and the thing and the thing. And then you got the Confederate flags and then you got the T flags because I don't say that name. And then you got all that stuff going. They've just been manipulated and co-opted into a movement that they don't realize they've been gamed. And that's the sad thing. 
They don't realize they're voting against their own self-interest and self-interest of their children and their children's children, unless it's only about xenophobia, unless it's only about uh, racial exclusion, and, and, unless that's the only thing it's really about. But it's actually, I believe, deeper than that, because I believe fundamentally, I believe people are good. And I believe people can get manipulated quite easily into doing bad things, but particularly if they're, if they're not well-informed. Hill, how do we inspire this army of the decent, I guess you would call it, that's out there to fight back against this machine that's going against us? I mean, you're an activist. A lot of our listeners are activists. A lot of our listeners, by the way, weren't activists before the former guy was in office, but became activists out of necessity, out of the trauma that they experienced these past four years. But how do we how do we hone that into action now in 2021 with all this going on? You know, I think everyone has their own way of, of leaning in and, and doing this work. But for me, to be quite honest, it's about empowerment of communities, particularly the most marginalized communities. And I, I to be honest, it, it, it begins and ends with economic empowerment. I, I truly believe you cannot have social justice and you cannot have political justice without economic justice. And what does that mean? What I mean by that is, if you look at most of the social ills that many people sort of say, we got to fight back against or we have to solve, whether we're talking about police brutality and hypercriminalization and mass incarceration, or we're talking about healthcare disparities and, and, and how COVID just, just showed very clear that the black and Latino population is, you know, is, if, if something bad happens, they're going to catch the worst of it. Or you're talking about educational gaps and literacy or the digital divide or the wealth, the racial wealth gap. All of these different things link back to the lack of financial base in so many communities and in the financial fragility in so many communities. You have women and men working three jobs today that can barely make ends meet because the, the purchasing power of the dollar has decreased, decreased, decreased. They're, they've been locked out of capital market participation in any meaningful way, and they can't put their, their assets into any type of ascending value asset class but they sit on cash for a job they get paid too little for, and all of a sudden their purchasing power is decimated and they're working harder but earning less. And it's crazy to be in a year, coming out of a year where $1.8 trillion was added to billionaires' bank accounts and people are suffering and barely surviving. So, so to me, you have to economically embolden and empower people that do not have, um, ha have financial foundation. And, and to me, if you don't do that, you're going to continue to see the crushing of that of our country and the community. And Hill, you're not just all talk here. You're your action here. You know, you founded an app called the Black Wall Street. Could you tell us about that and how that could provide economic opportunities and the financial freedom that you're speaking about? Absolutely. You know, one of the data points that, that I hate to say all the time is that in 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, black people in America coming out of slavery held a little less than 1% of American wealth. To, you know, today, April 2021, Financial Literacy Month 2021, black people in America hold a little less than 1% of American wealth. And you could say, Hill, how, how, how could that be? I mean, you've had Ken Chenault, who was the CEO and chairman of American Express, or John Johnson, who had Ebony Johnson Publishing, or, 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 or LeBron James. I mean, come on, you know. Here's the deal. For the vast majority of people of color in this country, they're living in, in, a, in below an already low set poverty line. They're, they're dealing with hypercriminalization, mass incarceration. They're dealing with extremely onerous, financially predatory practices in the community from payday lenders, check cashing spots, rent to own, you name it. Even the banks that are in the community are doing what's called hidden predatory banking off of the community, meaning they encourage people to have a $600, $800 in their savings or checking account, but they're charging them $200, $250 a year in fees, whether it be ATM fees or overdraft fees or whatever. It's expensive to be poor yeah. in this country. So the Black Wall Street digital wallet seeks to replicate what the original brick and mortar Black Wall Street did, which was a group economic wealth effect. The original Black Wall Street, which is the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma, founded by O.W. Gurley, uh, created more group and mass wealth for black people than any distinct individual community in the country. And it was one of the most successful communities per capita cross race. How did it do it? I believe there were three pillars that created the wealth. 
One, institutional ownership. Two, institutional trust. Three, the movement of money or capital within the ecosystem where a dollar change stands 60 to 100 times. And right now, a dollar leaves the black community six to seven hours. And I believe if we don't start owning our own digital wallets, the dollar will leave the community between six and seven seconds. So we are there to come and compete with all of the digital wallets, but take, take it one step further, allow you to invest in ascending value asset classes, get out of cash, but also have it be a marketplace where the money starts to recirculate within the community, onboard black Latino businesses, support them through the wallet. And then you start to see a network effect of wealth hopefully being generated in these communities. Hill, when you say digital currency, you're talking about like Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin, all, all these sorts of digital currencies? That's one part. But the other part of digital currency is fiat. It's just in a digital form in your digital gotcha. wallet, meaning you take, you take hard fiat currency and you turn it into your digital wallet. I truly believe... See this watch I have? This is from the TV show. It's a Shinola. Shout out to Detroit. You know, I love Detroit. Um, so, but watches have become an accessory. Why? Because we use this to tell time. Mm -hmm. This is what we use to tell time, right? The so the phone. So just like that, and this is how I explain it to people in the most simple way, you're going to use this to pay for everything. And the wallet or purse that we carry is going to be an accessory. We'll still have it, but you're not going to use it to pay for anything. You're going to use your digital wallet, which will exist in your phone as your method of payment, method of money exchange, whatever store you go into, you know, WeChat, it already happens with WeChat in China, happens with Paytm in India. But I believe here it's going to happen with micro affinity groups. So we're going to have a distinct community of a digital wallet where we then can control the movement of money. And when you control the movement of money, whether it's fiat or cryptocurrency, you have the opportunity to be intentional with your spending and therefore create wealth for groups and create jobs. You also will be able to invest in Bitcoin and crypto because I do believe that cryptocurrency or Bitcoin specifically and Ethereum to a certain extent, not the other 9,752 cryptos out there <laughs> that, that most are complete scams, but ones that actually people see as, as stores of value. Yep. We can build wealth through that because the banks don't get to touch it and the banks don't get to then overcharge poor mar marginalized communities. The banks don't, you don't have to be victim of, of racist or institutionally racist credit ratings, things like that. That's, that's really incredible. Um, Hill, if I can, I, I have a question that might get you into a little bit of hot water here. Okay. So, so is it true that is it not, it's not going to make me lose my job on the good doctor? Is it? What are you going to no, do? I don't think so. I don't don't install so. ABC. I love Abs ABC. Absolutely. That's a not. great network. ABC great network. Great network. The, the question, network. the question goes back to your college days. Now, is it true that you used to play basketball with President Obama? And yes. Yes. If so, great. That's so cool. Yes. Who has yes. a better jump shot? Oh, it's not even close. I mean, I mean, the fact that you'd even ask that question. I mean, this, the guy, he was tall and lanky. He's left-handed, so that was a little odd. So you had to deal with that. But at the end of the day, he, he wasn't an athlete. You know, Ooh. I was an athlete. Oh, my God. He was, a, he was, he was like a good intramur intramural player. You know what I'm saying? Yikes. I love it. I love it. Yikes. That's real. That's real. Go, go on. Go on. And, 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 and that's to say, and maybe it was age, because you got to remember – I went straight it just to. Gets, it just gets worse now. It's age. So, so, I came out of Brown, went straight to Harvard right out of undergrad. He took about six, seven years off before he came back to school. So he was a little older than me. You know, I played football in college. You know, I was an athlete. So it's just a little difference. It's just, it's a different type of thing. You know, I'm sure you saw the movie I did. He got game where I played with all pros. <laughs> me and Ray Allen were hooping it up. You know, you know when you. you I wouldn't be in He Got Game with other pros <laughs> if I didn't get, you know, I got game. You, you didn't see Barack Obama in He Got Game, that's for sure. You did not see him in He Got Game. <laughs> well, he Barack Obama, game. if you are watching this, you have an opportunity to come on the Midas Touch <laughs> podcast to prove Hill Harper wrong. If not, I'm going to go and accept Hill Harper's representation that not only was he better than you, President Obama, but significantly better than you. And it wasn't even close. <laughs> Now, let me say the real deal here. Um, I looked up to him, and not just because he's taller than me. You know, I looked up to him because he did have a sense of gravitas and purpose 
you know, when you're in this, this is all jokes aside, when you're deciding to come back to school and someone's like me, I'm like 21 years old, he's almost 30 coming back to school. He's coming there for a purpose and a reason. And he was about, he was about it. Right. He was president of Harvard law review for a reason. Not, you know, he, he was, uh, he knew what he wanted and he was very clear and he was an impressive guy, you know, and he was a very good person, good guy. And yeah, we played a lot of basketball. I'll tell you, th- this is a story that not a lot of people know, and I'll keep it really brief. Very few people know this story. And I believe it leads to the fact that of him being the first sitting president to ever visit a prison. Um, I got a call from an, uh, somebody who was in the maximum security prison at Walpole State Penitentiary because I led the black student outreach for the law school. And he basically challenged me to say, how come you, you know, you Harvard guys don't ever deal with us in, you know, in the system. And I said, well, what do you like to do? And he, and I realized he and I were about the same age. And he said, I love basketball. I said, well, I love basketball. He said, well, let's play a game. I was like, okay. So I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. Now looking back and you think it was crazy. I called the warden. I was like, Hey, I want to arrange a, a game between Harvard law students and in in the all-stars of the prison. He was like, okay, whatever. And so we arranged this game. I call Barack and I say, Hey man, we're going to go to a prison and play basketball. He's like, okay. And I, I rent a van. I get, you know, I get three other guys. We load into a van. We drive out to this maximum security prison. We walk in, they take us into a briefing room and the guys are like, looking at me like, what'd you get? And it's like, if, if something happens and guns go off, you got to go over here. Cause there's not going to be, <laughs> there are going to be no guards in population and you guys, you know, and all this stuff, we're going to be able to have to know who's who. And if you're an inmate and if some, it was, and these guys were looking at me like, what did you get? I thought we were just going to play basketball. You guys got me into the whole thing. And we had a great game. And he tells a good story about it, about how he stopped shooting. Cause he asked the guy who was in what he was in there for. And the guy said double murder. He's like, I'm not shooting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Bill Harper, thank you so you much go. for coming on the Midas Touch podcast. You got your scrubs on. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And uh, thanks for coming on the Midas Touch podcast. Absolutely. Keep up the great work, guys. Really, We really appreciate you speaking the truth and being out there, being brilliant. You got to fight fire with fire and even go beyond. And so I'm so appreciative of all the work you guys are doing. And um, and I I'll support you in any way I can. You're the best. We appreciate it. Thanks. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. Thank you, Hill Harper, for joining the show. Great interview. Want to talk now? Um, give a quick shout out to uh, our friends. Uh, Patriot Takes. If you're not following Patriot Takes on Twitter and across all socials, go follow Patriot Takes. Patriot Takes began uh, called Parlor Takes. And this anonymous Twitter account, anonymous because the life of the operators gets threatened very frequently, began going into Parlor and exposing the disinfo, the QAnon leadings of GQP leaders, and really going in and, and showing that they're horrible racist people that we all know they are, but they speak more freely on their own apps to their own people. Um, and so he did a great service at Parlor Takes or she. Um, and then this became Patriot Takes, where the operator of this expanded the efforts across Gab and Telegraph and 4chan and 8chan and Acoon and blah, 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 blah. And what all these different crazy uh, <laughs> sites where they all live are. And Patriot Takes, as part of their mission, posted this crazy video of Roger Stone with a colleague of his basically claiming that uh, his well, I since office, found out that he was a radio host, this guy, by the way. Who, the guy who we did it, who was in the video with? Yeah, because we posted this video on, on our uh, TikTok account and everyone was like, oh my God, that's Man Cow Muller, who's this conservative shock jock you know, guy who I didn't even know. So this is a guy who has a voice on quote unquote conservative radio. So there was an accidental explosion at a nearby business near where apparently Roger Stone's office is, not Roger Stone's business. Um, And then Roger Stone claimed in this video that there were drone strikes that were sent to destroy his office. Um, But he did a video of this. You want to just play that clip? Hey, I tried to go live and I've never had this happen. They keep cutting me off. Roger Stone is here with me. We're uh, we're two doors down from his office. There was a drone strike in America two days ago. Folks, 
I'm telling you, this is incredible. Why is this not major news? I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Roger, do you think you were the target? Uh, you know, I don't know. This building is catty corner from my office. Uh, there was an enormous explosion, which is as yet unexplained. Some speculation that it was a drone attack. Okay. It's who not is, news who is speculating? it's entirely made up. Who is speculating that it's a nobody? You know what this reminds me of? When I was four or five, I mostly hung out around other boys. So that's why I don't know if this is an experience that's, you know, that, that, that young girls make up as well. But like, if you ever like four or five years old and you're like, a, you know, when I hung out with my four or five year old friends, like we would just make up a bunch of fake shit, like with our own imagination, right? We would be like, and then, you know, the, the, the lasers came and then the lasers hit the tree and then the Martians came. And then I fought and I punched a Martian and then and then the king from the Middle Age, like you would just make up stuff like that's just how, how boys, you know, how boys kind of communicate with each other. Like that's who these GQP are. They're just grown up liars of like versions of five year old boys who like and, and way worse than that. But, but, but it's just like a made up scenario that doesn't even exist. Yeah, this is, I mean, I think that brings the episode full circle in a lot of ways. Now we started off with them just totally inventing the idea that Joe Biden was going to ban hamburgers. And now we're talking about Roger Stone and this uh, parent radio host, Man Cow Muller, just making up that a drone strike attacked Roger Stone or attempted to attack Roger Stone. I mean, that would be just crazy shit. Like, but the fact that you could make this up and that there are some people that might actually believe you is actually pretty frightening well, and that, terrifying. That takes me back to that GQP conference that we watched the other day. It's like, yeah, Roger Stone scares me because he's a crazy lunatic. <clears throat> but also the people that really scare me is everyone behind them nodding their heads along totally to, to everything that Lynn Wood was saying was fact. Like that's terrifying stuff right there. At least you could maybe rationalize the craziness from a Roger Stone, from a Lynn Wood. They're grifting off people. They're making money from these poor people who literally just believe them because, you know, they're in positions of power. And it's, it's sad and it's scary because these people eat this shit up. And so Patriot Takes exposed it. And so what happens? Roger Stone feels extremely threatened and decides to threaten Patriot Takes his life. Threaten he or she's life over exposing his just bullshit. And what Roger Stone said, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's extremely offensive, but the last line was happy to send them, meaning Patriot Takes, to meet St. Peter. Anytime, anywhere, step up, cowards. So, it's a murder threat. That's a threat. That's a felony. Total felony. You're threatening someone's life. But, you know, someone like GQP Roger Stone thinks that because, you know, Trump pardoned him that he could get away with all of this shit. The funny thing, though, is what, what I've been seeing on these forums from all the things that that Patriot takes to be posting is it seems like even though like a lot of Roger Stone's followers were even like, this sounds like a scam. Like, this is bullshit. Like, R- Roger, like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jordy, but just thinking about what you're saying about those people mm-hmm. at those GQP conventions who are nodding, like these people are getting their news from Fox, but a lot from kind of Newsmax and Gab yeah, sure. and Free Telegraph and, and, and all of these places. And they're just being told the craziest lies that other people, that Democrats are trying to steal their burgers and Sesame Street, like they live in the craziest world view where there are drone strikes in America at political enemies like they're living in this fake cult alternative reality that people like the Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Ted Cruz's and the Rubio's and the Ron Johnson's all of them are all responsible for creating and they're they they don't give a shit these GQP leaders about their own followers. They care just about their own power. And frankly, why I said, Brett, you know, it's worse than the five-year-old boy example that, that I gave you. It's because I think that this GQP wants to see Americans die. I think that they are rooting for yep. more death in America. I think that they are jealous and angry that Biden has been so effective. I think they see your video, Brett, with Dan Crenshaw, 
who said that, oh, you want Biden to really impress me? No, no let's see, 200 million vaccines. Boom, motherfucker. Boom, motherfucker. <laughs> 200 million vaccines in under 100 days. And, and what's their reaction? Not, oh, great, great. It's great to see Americans doing well and, and healthy. No, what the GQP leaders like Ron Johnson are saying, why are we telling other Americans to get vaccinated? If you got your vaccine, shut up. Don't tell others to get vaccinated. Why should you care if other Americans get vaccinated? Ron Johnson, because we care about our country, motherfucker. We care about our health. We care about people living. That's why we want other people to get vaccinated, because we don't like to see our fellow Americans in body bags, you fucking idiot. Yeah, I would like to be back to a normal America where people don't have to wear masks, where all businesses could be open, where we could be going to sport games and all the stuff, you know, all the stuff that the GQP claims to care about, yet they don't want to take the steps necessary to do this. This is a public health crisis. And when you have people like Ron Johnson and Bo Bird and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kevin McCarthy and Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and the who's who of all the GQP weirdos spouting disinformation, you're in a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous is it what John- Said, I'm getting this is a quote. I'm getting highly suspicious of the big push to make sure everybody gets the vaccine. Not only stating that it's not a fully approved vaccine, but arguing that the fact that it's 95% effective means only a limited number of people need to be vaccinated. It's it is the dumbest logic in the world. That's why I saw a report that said that. The Republican Party is terrified of being labeled the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene. But here's the truth. They are the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is what their party is. It's not just her. This is the mainstream GQP opinions is to be anti-vax, anti-health, anti-freedom, anti-business, anti-democracy. That's what the GQP stands for in 2021. And I also saw the report, Brett, that said that the GQP is terrified that Biden is so boring and he just goes about and does <laughs> his, one of the funniest, his work. That was a really funny uh, take on things that Biden is just so boring, but meaning Biden just puts his head down and gets shit done for the American people. He's not messing around. He's not tweeting. He's not doing crazy stuff. And when he's when you're just doing the hard work and delivering on your promises and getting people vaccines and getting people checks and devising complex infrastructure plans to improve America for the 21st century. When you're doing all of these things, it's hard to compete with that. It's hard to compete with just steady, good, hard work. And we've talked about this a few weeks ago too, how they, the, the GQP had the cheat sheet for, uh, for Bernie Sanders and now they have to take the Biden test. But the only problem is they only have the talking points for Bernie and they just cannot deal with it. Did you guys see, before we move on, did you guys see the 11th hour with Brian Williams, the response to this Ron Johnson craziness though? We have the clip. Can we play it? It's hilarious. Well, look, as far as I can tell, I'm not from Wisconsin, but everything I see about Ron, uh, Ron Johnson is that basically he is what you would get if a, you know, a very misinformed and vaguely racist Facebook meme was incarnated into a human form. (laughs) But that's That's true. And and it's not just Ron Johnson. The whole GQP is that same meme. And and, and let me just tell you kind of on on a personal level, you know, I I have clients who live in Canada and I remember that three, four months ago, Canadians were fighting COVID significantly better than us in America before Biden, that is. You know, that they were on on pace for vaccines that far exceeded the United States. And now every time I speak to my Canadian friends and clients and colleagues out there, America is the envy of the world. Um, yeah. They're like, we, we don't we're not getting vaccines like we wish we were. That's the way America used to be, Brett. That's when I had that vaccine conversation with you several months ago over the debate where it was like a miracle that we had vaccines in America. And it's like, dude, we're sending people to Mars. We should have vaccines in the United States of America. And America was on a trajectory to look like India is looking right yeah. now. It is yeah. devastating. It is so sad to see COVID ravaging. They're, they're set to exceed over a million deaths in mm. India and, and probably even you know more than that. I mean, you see these images there of mass cremations in parking lots where, where people are st- literally just dead bodies are stacked up 
when you just see the fire and the smoke coming up of, of tens of thousands of bodies being yeah. cremated at the same time, if families are lucky enough to even be able to get the body to deliver them for their last rites. And America was on that track. Yeah, we need I, to do something to help India. We need to do something to help the world. But America leads from strength when America is strong and America is getting strong again because we have a president and we have leaders now in the Democratic Party who are fighting and truly care about America, not the malicious stupidity of Trump and Trumpism. And I'm so glad that the former guy is gone. So with that, I want to say everybody to thank thank you so much for listening to this episode of Midas Touch podcast. Um, I, I miss you. I, I genuinely miss you. Yes, you listening to this podcast. I miss you. I miss you from last week. It's great that we're connecting again. I appreciate you. Me and the brothers appreciate all of your support. Tell your friends to download the Midas Touch podcast. Spread the word. Also, Give check out, we got review. some new merch in the Midas new Touch merch. merch store. So oh, check yeah, it out. New merch. Dude, that truth is golden Midastouch.com. Yo, we got some good, some good. cool stuff that Backs I'm excited to get my hands on. Merch. We just updated the merch. So go check out the merch. I'm seeing a lot. I was walking the other day and I saw somebody in the supermarket wearing a Saki Bomb shirt. I might have touched Saki Bomb shirt out here in LA. That's so great. It's great. Make sure you get your Midas Touch gear on MidasTouch.com. Jordy, take it away. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!